while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and today my guest is Jeff Leonard, and Jeff Leonard uh, is a fellow local radio news guy, does a lot for the community of Charlottesville, Virginia. As a matter of fact, he started WPVC, the progressive voice of Charlottesville. Jeff, how are you today? Marcella, it is so great to hear your voice. Thank you. It, my friend, it's been too long. How it, have you been? It's been too long. Uh, yes, you know, and I thought about that. I said, gee, I know there are tons of things I'd like to talk with Jeff about, but one of the Certainly, one of the things is catching up um, because we're in the same town, and we hardly ever see, we you know we're so busy doing the radio and stuff that we do, we don't see much of each other um, unless we really make an effort to make an appointment, which we have today, of course. Jeff, or we run into each, or we run into each other at the Harris Theater in Crozet some random Sunday morning. That's true. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this is a this is a great town, but a small town. A small town. Jeff, well, let's start out with uh, with the radio station. I know you've got a lot of other things going on as life piles up around all of us, it seems. But uh, how many years have, has WPVC been going, and how is it going? WPVC, we've been on the air almost two and a half years. Wow, good. Uh, I will tell you that um, it has been it has been exceedingly difficult. You know, I, I received pockets of support from places I didn't accept, expect to get support. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I've received, um, I don't want to say rejection, or, or I've, I've received obstacles from places that I thought I would receive support. So, you know, mm-hmm. when you lay out your business plan, you lay out your, you know, your, how you're going to go forward, and you, and you assume, like, this group or that group is going to help you, and then they don't help you, or, or at least, you know, they, 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 they don't acknowledge your existence, you, you need to read, react, and adapt. And when you do that, um, you make new friends along the way, and the people that you didn't know wind up coming to your rescue and, and being your, your, your biggest supporters. It, it, it really has been an amazing learning process for me. Interesting. And you did you do radio prior to WPVC? I will tell you, Marcello, just between you and me, I've been in a radio station three times in my life before I built one. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I knew, and I knew that answer. I wanted everybody to hear it because I mean, it was it was gutsy, you know. Well, I've you know I remember when I was little, uh, just laying in my bed with with the little clock radio or or a, a little bigger radio, and just trying to get in these long distance, especially at night with these AM uh, frequencies that bounced all over the country. Yes, you know I could pick up stuff in New York, and I could pick up stuff out of Baltimore and Washington, and it, it, it well before the internet, well before cable television, and you could just dream that you're in these foreign places, these faraway places. And, you know, here people talk about different things. And I've just always had a love of radio. Mm-hmm. And much to my family's chagrin, <laughs> as we travel up and down the interstate going on our family vacations, you know, they want to listen to their phones or listen to whatever they can find. But I like local radio. Mm-hmm. I like to tune into the, the localist radio station I can find and hear the ads the spot and you know here the the private shoe store that's that's advertising or having a sale or hear what music's popular it's it, it's it's a way to really figure out what's important to the community is, is, is to listen to their to their fm band or the am band you know it's true uh it um it has been <laughs> the the Charlottesville this week talk radio show I do is primarily centered in uh, Virginia, if not Charlottesville itself. And then, of course, recent events since uh, last summer and all of that, you get uh, part of the very much a part of the mother of presidents and uh, uh, historically and lots of controversy lately and all of that. But you really get to hear what the local people see, and I know what you and I get annoyed at, I'll I'll speak for you, but you can correct me, and that is when networks come in, people all dolled up in, in, uh, in their suits and whatever, and began to talk to uh, people who live in Charlottesville as if they know more about Charlottesville, and, and they, they just don't get it, I don't think. Is that too strong, Jeff? Talk to me. You know, I have a. I'm retired from a uh, career in sort of low-level law enforcement, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I remember I was involved in, in, in the Hughley trial and you know the Jesse Matthew stuff, and you could just tell that these. I don't know what do you call them? These talking heads that their, their makeup is too pretty and their clothes are too perfect, mm. and they're trying to talk to you like they're that like they understand what the community is going through, and you know they could be in any community in any state, in any country, and ask the same questions yes. and, and hope to elicit responses. You know, one of the things that I didn't expect with the radio station was we've been, we've become sort of a hub for uh, freelance journalists or sort of a hub for stringers. Mm. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it's not uncommon for, uh, for me to come into the radio station and see someone sitting here and go, Hey, whatever their name is. Yes. Hey, what, what are you doing here? He goes, Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a report together for the New York Times or the Washington Post, or you know, I, I, the day after. I think it was August 14th, that Tuesday after the, or the 13th, the, the Tuesday after August 12th. Yes, I came in, um, and and uh, there was a gentleman in here who's a pretty he's a regular on the station, and I said, What are you doing here? He goes, I'm going on live on Canadian Broadcasting Television, and I, and I need um, some Windex to clean off my my, cam- my, my camera on my... On my <laughs> so, you never know what you're, you you're going to walk into Exactly. Here. And, you know, and I say, the day after August 12th, a couple days after August 12th, word got out that we were the progressive radio station, yes. and calls came in from all over the country yes. for us to come on and talk. 
and I, I, I made what I thought was at the time a smart decision, and it's come back and, and paid me off, is I farmed out most of those calls to our show hosts mm. and to, you know, to, to the people that actually were, were down there fighting Nazis in the street with their fists. Yes. And I, was, I was back a little bit. I didn't, you know, I've got kids. I don't, I, you know, I'm sure they have kids too, but I, I actually took a little more cautious tack. But, um, you know, those guys and ladies went on the national talk shows, and um, they did they did Charlottesville and WPVC crowd. I, yes. Uh, I appreciate their effort to this day. Yes. I had a guest that uh, uh, had come to me after the e- event, uh, maybe, maybe a week at most, and she had been asked to... Uh, uh, make an appearance on CNN. It's the second time that someone going on CNN has come to me and said, we need to need you to help us, uh, you know, prep for it. And it was, um, how do I say, she came into the studio and I was just going to coach her, but, the, but what she was saying and the way she was saying it and the fact that she was a young black woman who had been on the streets during all of this, August 12th, in case there's anyone in America who could possibly not know this, August 12th, 2017, Charlottesville was indeed invaded by an armed force. And the result of that, many, many not good positive things happened, but the most serious thing was that uh, uh, Heather Heyer was run down by a car and, and killed. And her mother, Susan Bro, God bless her, has been on the show as well. Um, but this woman that came into for coaching um, told a story in a way that you and I might not be able to see it. She was a, a black woman under the age of 30. She went to a peace rally. Uh, I myself was in Charlottesville that day and, and actually covering a training for the NAACP uh, for how to deal with direct, what do they call it, direct contact, direct um um, uh, uh, protesters, what is it? It's a better name than it. I'll find out. But, um, right. but you know, but I was uh, I was there, and then and we were getting calls in and what was going on downtown. Well, this woman came to me a week later, and um, I was helping to prep her, and the story from a black young woman, professional. Who were working and living in downtown Charlottesville and being a part of a large, quiet, peaceful parade down the street, and then to hear her tell it, she saw the, this crowd of people with Nazi flags and whatever coming toward them uh, is gut wrenching. And so, I, again, I've jumped in. I'm sorry, Jeff. <laughs> you're the no, guest, you're, but but you're, you're exactly right. And one of the things that I've been um, sort of studying or dabbling with in, in, in my friendships and my conversations is, is sort of generational trauma. And we know there are there is evidence now that, that, that trauma is passed down generationally. Yes. So if you if you were raised if you were under if you went through trauma like in slavery or in or in the twenties with the KKK, then that trauma is going to be passed down generationally. And I think when you see those pictures especially the young African-Americans, the middle-aged African-Americans on August 12th yes. at, at the riot, um, you, you just don't see their pain. You see the pain and anguish of their ancestors. Yes. And um, that's why so many people that I've come in contact with are, are still struggling to come to grips with that day. And some of them, quite frankly, are stuck in a trauma loop. And oh, they're yes. having a difficult time 
escaping uh, the trauma. I mean, and you know, it, 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 it's evidenced by you know when they walk down the street, they they avoid certain areas, or you know where they once felt comfortable and not comfortable, or you know they get startled easily. I mean, they're just they're just still in that trauma. And I think Charlottesville, the community, has done a little bit, has done a fairly good job, or at least started to do a good job about talking about the trauma. Because the first thing you got to do when you go through one of those experiences is just verbalize how bad it was. And it may sound silly, but you're just, you're expelling the thought yes. out through your mouth. And just to hear yourself say it has some, has some benefit. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of, I've dealt with a lot of traumatic situations in my, uh, from a professional life. And you just have to talk about it. That, that, that's the first place to start. It's certainly by no means the, first, the place you end. Mm-hmm. But the beginning of every, of every, getting through some trauma, traumatic event is just to start talking about it. And I, I hope if anyone's listening and they haven't done that yet, that, there are, that you find a qualified mental health professional to, to begin that process because life's too short, life's too precious, and there's too much work left to be done here in Charlottesville. Exactly. And you know, um, I, I didn't know our conversation would go this way, but I'm glad it has. I have to say that um, I, I live considerably west of Charlottesville and uh, don't have to go downtown if I didn't want to. But um, the first time I saw the the uh, tarp over the statue of Robert E. Lee downtown, my love of history, my response was, uh, you know, I, I don't think we should have to sacrifice uh, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about our history, uh, because of a changing of, uh, of public opinion. However, I have very many uh, good, close black friends who are in politics as well as uh, in history. And I remember one in particular turned to me and said, but Marcello, when you were a child, you could go sit in the park. We couldn't. And that took care of that. There are so many powerful recollections and reflections of stuff like that. I mean, even if you look at the McIntyre Park, yes. remember, even by the YMCA, when, when Paul Goodloe McIntyre gave that to the city of Charlottesville, he said for the enjoyment of the white people of Charlottesville. Yes. And that was that was 100 years ago. I mean, that's, you know, I think that was about the same time my grandfather was born. So it's not that, that many generations removed, and I'm sure that those sentiments, uh, some of those sentiments still exist yes. today. Yes. You know, I, I'm. Uh, I don't know what. You know, I will tell you. I'm a, I've been. I think the city has done some things right, and they've done a lot of things wrong mm-hmm. uh, leading up to this, and especially surrounding the statues. Um, you know, I have. I, I. I have been critical that the city. Um, the first. It was a, that one Monday night where they initially they, they voted to try to take the statues down. Yes, and uh, Mr. And Mr. Fenwick abstained, mm. and then they so they they so they, it was two to two with an abstention. So then they had to wait two more weeks, and they were going to revisit the vote. And within those two weeks, Mr. Fenwick he was going to vote for the removal of the statue. Mm-hmm. They, the city of Charlottesville. I mean, the city. One of the criticisms I have of the city of Charlottesville it is ungodly deliberative. Mm-hmm. They'll argue things round. They'll argue it square. I mean, they, they they are so esoteric and they hate to make decisions. Um, but what they could have done, and in hindsight, what they should have done, is because they knew what the way Mr. Fenwick was going to vote. Mm-hmm. As soon as that vote happened, they needed to have Parks and Rec and City Yard in the parks taking down the statues overnight. 
other mm. cities had done it. Yes. Or other cities did it. But because they didn't do it and they were so deliberative, they invited they invited other individuals to file lawsuits that caused injunctions that we sit here today. Had they just gone over there the night they did it mm-hmm. and had they had they prepared for to do it, um, in, in a way that because they knew it was coming, I, I, I that would have been painful for some. Yes. But the statutes would have been gone. Yes. And um, so I, I get it. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but that that's my that you know when when that vote happened, I remember I said to myself, "You need they need to go get those things now because everybody that's going to be grieved is going to be filing lawsuits in about ten minutes." Yes. And, you know, and for all of that, uh, and even our discussion today, uh, August 12th was not about statues. August 12th was about what's left over after the Civil War. But you and I know that. And, oh, absolutely. You know, my concern with those of us fighting uh, white supremacy and fighting racism is that it's sort of like fighting a fog mm. because... There's, you don't really know when you're winning. There's, there's no sort of measurable data yes. to see that we're winning. You know, how do you how do you know there's change in someone's heart? How do you know you affect something? I mean, you know, I, I can think of one one example where uh, a group of, of moms and dads approached Altmar City, Altmar County Public Schools, and had them remove Lee Jackson Day from the calendar, which should have never been there in the first place. Mm-hmm. But but that is a measurable instance when you know you're winning and the statues um for better or for worse have become one of those measurable instances where you know in in a world full of ambiguity that is a measurable uh thing where you can say yes we took the statues down we are winning so i think that's why i think that's why it's become so important to, to so many people exactly All right, we're going to take a short break. My guest today is Jeff Leonard. He's the founder of WPVC, the progressive voice of Charlottesville Radio, and a good friend of mine, even though we don't get to talk as much as we would like, but we are certainly doing that today. So please stay with us. We'll be right back. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music, featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing Beautiful from her new CD, Sunday morning. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Thank you. 
Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is Jeff Leonard, the uh, founder of WPVC radio station in Charlottesville, Virginia, the progressive voice of Charlottesville. There's a lot we've been talking about, but I'd like to shift to CPAC. What What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, you know, the uh, my my interpretation of what's going on at CPAC particularly from Wayne LaPierre and uh, Dana Loesch, they really are feeling the pressure this time more than ever because well, they, they are. Go ahead. Let me start with a story from last year's feedback. Yes. So last year, um, I have a I have a, a small audiovisual company, and I've worked in audiovisual production for, for two or three decades. Okay. And one of my friends was the running a program at the National Harbor Last year, it was a co-occurring event with CPAC. So National Harbor, the the, the Gaylord the Gaylord up there is gigantic. Mm-hmm. It's got yeah three or four thousand rooms. So it, it's not unusual then to have two or three events who have the same time. So one of my good friends, who happens to have a autistic teenage son, mm-hmm. so he's very sensitive to um, to the type of rhetoric that President of the United States. Uh, tends to use. Yes, they were running. They were running a, pro, a, a show, and 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 the conference they were running had a lot of um, people that didn't traditionally vote Republican. So it did have some Muslims, lots of African Americans, lots of women, lots of LGBT. It was a very inclusive and an eclectic um, group of individuals. Mm-hmm. After CPAC, the president, the, the general manager of this gigantic, enormous Gaylord uh, hotel mm-hmm. came into their conference, the conference where my friend was working, and apologized for the behavior of the attendees of CPAC. Wow. They came in, and because people were complaining that, you know, a Muslim lady would come back and they'd scream terrorist, or they would, they would um, you know, use pejorative language toward black people or gay people, mm-hmm. and, you know, you got this many white and, and I'm going to say the word, because this many white bigots in a room, they yes. feel emboldened, and they and they begin to really show who they are and try to outdo each other, to the point where the, the general manager of the Gaylord, who has 6,000 employees, maybe, wow. had to come in to this conference and apologize for the behavior of the people that ascribe to the leadership party uh, in, in Washington, D.C. right now. And that pretty much told me all I needed to know about CPAC. Yes. Now, this, now this year, yeah. you know, I don't I don't think um, LaPierre, um, I, don't, I don't think there's any back down on that guy. I think he's getting paid, and I think eventually they'll, they will make a link between the NRA and um, our favorite country uh, that borders Europe and Asia, Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going we're to see some money that might have flown through there. And, um, you know, he's not paid the million dollars a year he gets to make concessions. Mm-hmm. He's paid to get up there and talk uh, in, in no uncertain terms that there is no retreat. And, you know, retreat is defeat. And they are going, they, I, I, they may be feeling pressure. Mm-hmm. But um, until you start hitting them in the pocketbook, they're not going to do anything different. Well, I, I, and, and God knows, you know how to you know how to you know how to defeat the NRA. You go in to Sandy Hook, or you go into any of the other um, awful school shootings. One in Florida this past week, and you start showing the actual images of the dead children. Yes, that these war, weapons of war kill. That mm-hmm. these these 
people wielding weapons of war killed. And I think that will turn, the, I, mean, I think the tide is turning, yes. but that will turn even the most, not the most hardened, mm. but anyone with any ounce of empathy will look at those dead children and say, oh my God, what have we done? Yes. And, and, and I don't know if that, I don't know if that day is coming, um, but, you know, I think two or three generations from now, my children's grandchildren will look back on yours and my generation and think that was the worst generation to ever exist. We are awful. Mm. We're awful to each other. We're awful to our planet. We are just, we are just awful, awful people right now. And um, I, um, I'm embarrassed to say I'm a part of this generation because we are stealing money from the old people. We're stealing money from future generations just to line the pockets of people who um, keep score by how many billions of dollars they have in their bank account. And uh, I don't want to get angry, but if you want to talk about angry, you could get children robbing money from uh, from their future and everyone else's future. That'll, that'll get me pretty angry. Sorry about that. No, no, I'm glad you, you... I only started to interrupt you because you were going right to my next question. But you make <laughs> okay. an excellent point, and I'm, I, I, I want to throw in also, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, I had John Hunter on the show, and he is the um, the creator of the World Peace Game and the founder of the World Peace Game Foundation, and he uh, is he has created this as a learning tool, this game. It's four tiers high uh, and, and many different pieces, and it deals with real-world situations, but with children, primarily elementary school kids, and he he teaches them, he, they, they have the problem, and they have to go in and figure out how to make peace, is what it is. But uh, it's fascinating. Listen to the show. I won't take up more time on it right now. I, but I do, will. I will. Yeah, but, um, but the thing he does, that gets back to your point, Jeff, uh, the thing he does before every session at every school, he travels the world, he's the generals and, and Panetta uh, asked him to come in and to the Pentagon and explain, had to question the children about, and one of the favorite things that the, he, the Panetta asked the kids, uh, what's your biggest problem when you play the World Peace Game? And they say, climate change. And he said, mine too. It's, you know, but but to, to get to your point, before every session with different schools, different ages, different children, he apologizes. He says, I'm sorry you have to play this game, but you need to learn how to, to deal with the mess we have left you. And there it is. That okay. Is, that, that, that is absolute gospel. Yeah. Okay. This, um, I wonder, since, of course, we're all in the in the wake still of, of domestic terrorism all around. I mean, from wife beaters to uh, Charlottesville last summer to Parkland, Florida this, uh, this year. Uh, how many mass shootings already in just a, a, not even two months of the new year? I wonder what advice, what what do we say to these brave new advocates uh, who have t- who you know who have suffered the trauma you were speaking of before, s- survived the being murdered, and yet instead of running and hiding, they're up there uh, in Tallahassee and in, in D.C. and all over the country on March 24th. What do we say to them? What can we help? What do we say? We, what are your thoughts? We say, we say, 
say to them, you are changing the world. Yes. You are changing your world. And our only, when we have failed, we as adults have failed because the only thing, our, our, my belief is our only role as adults is to protect our children and give them the opportunity to be the best human being they can be. Yes. And, and we need to apologize to those children for failing. We need to affirm them for doing the right thing in our in our wake, doing the right, you know, picking up the pieces of the mess that we left them, mm. and then we need to do everything we can to keep them safe from arch conservative, who and, and, and frankly Fox News and anyone who would consider them to be actors or dispel or, or minimize or diminish the trauma they went through. Those people that are doing that need to be outed for the awful human beings that they are. I and I agree. believe I think I think it's coming from Russia. I think I think you look at a lot of those um, posts on social media. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that stuff is coming from from places outside of this country, mm-hmm. uh, just to keep us uh, at each other's throat. Well, and um, I, I think these people are being. I think people on the on the on the far far right are being duped. And I don't think um, I don't think they're aware of that yet. Well, you know, Jeff, I hear you, but something that troubles me about—I mean, there reports constantly more and more about what is being done on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Google, uh, in particular, and how um, how they need to do a better job at policing it, and and yet respecting one's freedom of speech to write what they want, to post what they want. But I I look at some of the examples that they give and realize that I saw them during 2016. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, and I wonder, well, what... It seems to me, and I'm not trying to be harsh or make fun or uh, ridicule anyone, but it seems to me that if you... If you are... are if your vote... An opinion can be swayed by some of these really outlandish things, then I have to ask, you know, just as beauty is seen in, in the eye of the beholder, I, I just have to wonder unwitting Americans or, or overly trusting Americans, the labels, the euphemisms they give it in the media, but how, where, who are people who are fooled by that and then send it? Uh, all over the world. And of course, as you say, a lot of it comes from uh, outside of America and a lot of it lives and breeds outside of America via social media too. But what what kind of person in this country sees something like that and then believes it and votes accordingly? Well, it is... I think that's a, I think that's a pretty uh, easy... I'll try to answer that question in the simplest way I can. People a while back, and I, I blame Fox News for this largely...
that I can have all the facts in the world to present to you, and you won't care, and your response will be, well, my opinion is just as valid as your facts. And, we're, and that is, and it's working in the criminal justice system. There's all this empirical data and empirical evidence that we have, that we're incarcerating way too many people. But no one has the courage to apply the, as, as a systematic structure, we do not have the courage to apply what we know as evidence-based, as best practices um, to that population because we're scared. Mm. And, you know, I, but, but I think it all comes back to you, you, look, you look for stuff to affirm your previous belief structure. And anything that goes outside of your belief system, you have been permitted to shut down, tune out, and consider them to be the enemy. You know, um, sadly, I, I agree, because that's exactly the point I was trying to make with the question, that you have to bring that with you. If that's if you look at some of the photos and the uh, and the uh, uh, what is text on on Facebook, etc., and you come up with that conclusion that that's right, well, then you you brought that to the platform. Not that I'm excusing Facebook and Twitter for not doing a better job at uh, screening this, but this is an ongoing battle. The Russians are well, already involved I mean, in. They, yeah, business. I mean, they can operate pretty much how they want. Yes. You know, there, there, there's not a whole lot of laws. That, you know, there are just election law, but there's not a whole lot that that you can do to a private company and say, you know, if I wanted to, if I wanted to put a buy an ad on my Facebook page and say, you know, Marcello Rondo's the Pope, I don't think they can stop me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that you're going back to your First Amendment thoughts. I mean, there's there's certain things that it, once you start blocking stuff because it's silly. Yes. or not true or stupid, you know, there's, there's going to be no end. Exactly, because, I again, agree. Because facts don't matter. Facts just don't matter. Mm. It, the only thing that matters is my opinion. All right. Speaking of opinions, although there are plenty of facts to back this up, tell us about the Deck of Lies. Deckoflies.com. <laughs> so, I'm sitting around with my friend Coy in the studio over here, and we're like, this guy, Donnie Trump, is the lyingest liar. So I, I've worked, so for 30 years I worked with pedophiles. I was yes. a probation officer and I ran the sex offender registry. I know liars. Mm-hmm. I know pathological liars. And you know, the mark of a pathological liar for me is someone for, who lies when they don't even have to. Yes. It's someone that lies when they gain no benefit. They lie because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's Donnie. That, that, that is Donald Trump. Mm. So we thought about how do we how do we categorize all these lies? How do we how do we make facts matter again? And so we looked around, and you know, New York Times is like you know got the lie of the day, or they they categorize all those lies. But the Washington Post, so we're like, how do we do this in an informational yet funny, humorous way? So we tried, we decided to almost turn it into a game. So we, we, we hired a copyright attorney in New York, Andy Hers, mm-hmm. and he's like, there's no way you can copyright Deck of Lies. It's got to already be done. <laughs> the patent and trademark office is like, no, no one has Deck of Lies. <laughs> so we, 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 we applied for the, for, the, for, the, for the copyright. We got it. Uh, we got deckoflies.com, and then we began to categorize just a list all of his campaign lies. Mm. And so we took his, um, his, his official portrait from uh, when he was inaugurated. We put deck of lies, Trump's deck of lies. Actually, 
on it, and, and, and each card, the ace of spades, you turn it over, it's got the lie, it's got the truth, it's got the, the date of the lie, and, and, the, and the source of the truth. I, I really owe uh, Trump's lawyers a debt of gratitude, <laughs> because when we, we initially applied for the copyright of Trump's deck of lies, mm. but his lawyers fired back and said, you can't copyright the President of the United States' name. And our attorney says, you know what, why don't we just drop Trump and copyright death of lies? Mm. Then we can go after everybody. That's right. And, and I was like, all of a sudden, I went from having an idea of just being funny, poking at Donald Trump, mm-hmm. to having a viable business model of printing out cards with people's names, people's pictures on it, Yes. Yeah, with, with all the lies they tell. I, I said, uh... Sarah Huckabee Sanders a tweet the other night asking asking her for a picture. Sarah, (laughs) can you send me a picture for your deck, please? Um, So, so, you know, we're we're toying with the ideas like, you know, know, Marcello, Marcello, don't tell a lie or or we're going to deck you. No, yeah, Um, I love it. Or or don't be a deck or whatever. Uh Just just these, these, these funny little it's funny the little things that we can work into our parlance. Um, you know, but it's deckoflies.com. We haven't we've done no marketing on it, very little marketing. Uh, we've talked to some CEOs of, of larger companies that love the idea. I mean, people are scared of it because it's political. Yes. But but everyone that's seen it is like, oh, my God, this is the next thing. So we'll see. I, I hope to come on uh Hope to come on your show next year and tell you we've sold 25,000 decks. Okay. So it's deck, as in deck of cards, D-E-C-K, of lies.com. Deck of lies.com. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we have to run, but Jeff, wow. I hope uh, I hope our audience has enjoyed it because I've certainly enjoyed catching up with you, but also the substance of our uh, conversation. We've, we've covered so much. Uh, from local radio news and being uh, a more honest reflection of the community. And, and of course, the WPVC has become a hub, a center place, a mecca, if you will, of, of uh, uh, honest journalism and, and people coming in from out of town and trying to, uh, to be ma- being more aware of WPVC, which I think is a great thing. I've, I've, I've been in, over, as you, many, you know, uh, 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 over there, and I, I see all the people, the people, all the different shapes and sizes and everything. I just love that because that represents America, too. That's a big thing for me. And, and that, that means a lot to us. We had a Christmas party this past, uh, this past December, which I'm sorry you weren't able to make, but it was a party that, that's very unusual for Charlottesville because it was like 40%, uh, I'm not going to say 30%, you know, traditional um, European white Americans. Mm. And, Thirty percent traditional African Americans and thirty percent Hispanic mm. uh, Americans, and we all sat in a room and we all had a common purpose and a commonality. And I've been to a lot of a lot of social gatherings, and all the social gatherings all tend to look the same. Either it's an African American gathering, Hispanic one. Mm-hmm. Our gathering was so eclectic. Yes. I didn't expect that. But when I went home, I was super proud of, of, oh, of, yeah. of that party as it was emblematic of what we've done. Absolutely. That's exactly it. It is a reflection of what you and WPVC has done in just two and a half years. So we wish you all the best to continue this because it is a great example for all of us to follow. Thank you so much, right. Jeff Leonard. All right, my friend. Have a great day. You too. Bye now.
And now enjoy Watchfire Music featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening? Marcello Rolando, the reasonable voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Lawmakers, what are you doing? Why are you here? The truth that sets us free from denial, media cons, and corporate rented politicians is in past lessons now shredded by current mind-boggling, programming blindness to our simmering seven days in May. We need to renew ourselves with the courage, problem-solving, and rational leadership of Lincoln's Union Preservation, FDR's New Deal, JFK's Cuban Missile Crisis, Obama's Affordable Health Care, and Biden's Facing the Ill Winds of Russian Invasion, Global Pandemic, and America's Domestic Terrorism, aided and abetted by Republican Senators. We have elected only a few great presidents and even fewer great statesmen, making it difficult to recognize the strengths of succeeding VPs to POTUS icons after unspeakable tragedy. Johnson after Lincoln, Truman after FDR, LBJ after John F. Kennedy, yet somehow most managed through war and peace to diminish our grief and wrestle with the reins of individual responsibility that comes with global power. After the gap between Obama's economic restoration from Wall Street's too big to fail, we the people elevated the down-to-earth senior citizen, Joe Biden, hoping through him we could resurrect our civic duty, international honor, and exceptional one-person, one-vote country. But remembering even daily life choices are often between the lesser of two evils, recognize 6 January 2021 as a warning shot, and Joseph R. Biden Jr.'s administration as a light on our pathway to reestablishing some piece of our law-abiding, even noble, good-neighbor footing on the accelerated shifting of our political and cultural foundations. All 
while inheriting the moral carnage of a twice-impeached, self-serving dictator wannabe and the third of Americans he inseminated with the biggest lie we've ever told ourselves, fomenting ever-increasing violence against our democratic republic of, by, and for us. Is it of sound mind to expect our 46th president, without distracting us with any unpleasant details, interrupting our consumption of ever-present conveniences, denying our denial of any alteration in our reality, to guarantee our pursuit of happiness by strutting out onto the Truman balcony like a cuckoo clock alarm, dramatically whipping out his magic wand, chiming away the sum of all our fears, bad days of why me, an economic roller coaster residue from Clorox toast to the Republican plan, which still exists to twist our faith, hope, and love into self centered worshipping MAGA adversaries against our Constitution, without our even trading and bar hopping or TV remotes for a moment of silence to receive this truth. Foundation of America, indeed, its promise, needs natural born citizens to practice everything nationalized citizens are required to learn about america before being permitted to promise the oath of allegiance with the power of knowledge found in america's good bad and ugly history we gain the wisdom confidence and strength of character to disperse censure dissolve our prejudices and vanquish our hate-filled fears of being replaced Granted, when a government agency closes a factory producing an essential product for infant survival, believing said plant product was not safe for infant consumption, it is not unreasonable for parents to anticipate a plan B kicking in without delay. However, a president's daily briefing rarely goes beyond CIA, FBI, and departments of states and defense input. Truth is, Congress determines both budget and legal parameters of the FDA with OMB reviews. So let's people Congress with lawmakers who care about life after birth. Similarly, no president is the czar over gasoline pumps. Gasoline prices are the direct result of international oil prices and the supply and demand for gasoline. By the way, demand is greater from those who poo-poo carpooling, public transportation, and hybrid electric cars. Supply, on the other hand, that's oil and gasoline CEOs excessing over increased profits. Inflation? Us again? It helps to reacquaint ourselves with our economic past. America's World War II home front. 1970s gasoline shortages and the three attempts to overthrow our government, the Civil War, the Business Plot, and 6 January 2021. Knowledge is our best protection from denying the urgency of crippling student loans, over a million American COVID deaths, climate change, the ignorance of burning books, and ever-increasing gun violence and mass shootings. Quoting now from the film Seven Days in May, all you've got to know is this. Right now, the government of the United States is sitting on top of the Washington Monument, right on the very point, tilting right and left, and ready to fall off and break up on the pavement. Unquote. Failing still to see differences between imperfect Democrats trying to save children, teachers, and parents from gun violence 
and Republicans intentionally deluding both themselves and American voters with foxy misinformation and CPAC disinformation, we sacrifice Franklin's, if you can keep it, on the altar of what is past, is prologue. Sins are not just what we do, but what we fail to do. There's no longer any time for the ambiguity of non-voters. No salvation in trusting Cruz, Cronin, McConnell-type Republicans. But by electing Democrats, we at least offer a glimmer of hope for all of God's children. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.